This show is brought to you by the Podcast Network. If you're interested in finding out about some of our other shows, please go to www.thepodcastnetwork.com for more details. This historic episode of the special Demo at 15 edition of G'day World is brought to you by our bloody good mate, Frank Arrigo. Frank wants to get more traffic than Scoble, so go visit him at http colon slash slash blogs dot msdn dot com slash Frank A-R-R and see what he has to say. Good on you, Frankie. We love you, mate. G'day world, this is Cam, alright, so let me give you a little bit of a background on what you're going to be hearing on this special edition of G'day world. As uh, you may know if you've been following events, I was invited to attend a demo at 15 in Scottsdale, Arizona last week, which is sort of uh, the 13th to the 16th of February, by my good mate uh, Buzz Brugman organised a press pass for us to go along, or for me to go along. Um, Thanks to Chris Shipley and the production team of Demo. And uh, basically what I did was uh, walk around the pavilion at Demo and try and get snapshot interviews with the people who were presenting their products and launching their products at Demo. Over the course of 48 hours at Demo, we sat through 73 product launches and they were all of an extremely high caliber and a great bunch of people demonstrating their technologies. So what I've tried to do here is get a couple of minutes, you know, maybe five minutes of each of all of the presenters. The show, the show here goes for an hour or so. But it'll, you'll get a sort of a glimpse of uh, the sort of technologies that were being launched at Demo. And I really hope that uh, you try and attend future demos. It was really an incredible event, not only from uh, getting the opportunity to have a first-hand look at a lot of these products, but also, just the, the extremely high caliber of people who attended this uh, event just totally blew my mind, and it was a life-changing event. So I'd like to thank Buzz and Chris Shipley for making it happen. And without any further ado, I bring to you the special Demo at 15 edition of G'day World. All right, well, here I am in... Uh, where are we? Scottsdale, Arizona. Here's my roommate, Buzz Brugman. Say hello, Buzz. G'day, world. <laughs> We're about to uh, walk down to the western where the uh, big demo conference is happening and uh, we'll probably follow up some of these shows, uh, probably blah, 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 jet lag still, probably follow that up with some shows. My voice uh, really sucks. Alright folks, well I'm here at the cocktail party at uh, Demo in Arizona and with me I have David Geller from What Counts Inc. David and I have just been having a little bit of a chat about what counts as blogging product, and David's going to tell you a little bit about it. Go, David. Well, Cameron, it's uh, it's called Blog Unit, and it's a 1U rack-ready appliance for corporations that see the appeal of blogging and want to be introduced to it in a very easy, controlled manner. So why wouldn't corporations use TypePad or something like that, some movable type, something that's already currently available? Well, two different problems there. Um, both excellent products that you mentioned, TypePad being a great ASP product, corporations want a little bit more security. They want to control all of the information. They want to tie it into their back-end system. In the case of movable type, again, excellent product, 
but again, a lot of corporations want an easier solution. And with our product, you're basically going from box to rack to ready in 15 minutes. And is this product something that's already in production? Is it on the shelf? Is it where, Whereabouts is it in the product life cycle? Well, we're introducing it at this show, so it'll be available for purchase immediately. How much? Uh, we have the three models. The, the beginner model is a sub-$10,000 product. And how many users can a company put on that product? Well, uh, we envision it supporting uh, most any large-size corporations. Their audience size really depends. Uh, we've built in features, uh, caching features, designed specifically to handle large loads from uh, news aggregators as well as users. And what's your, what's your marketing strategy going to be post-demo, David? Well, it's going to be to, to convince corporations that they clearly need to blog, and that'll be an easy job because it's such a popular trend and topic. And then it's to go in and, and emphasize that securing their own information is critically important. So you're going to have a sales force out in the marketplace? Are you going to do it online? Are you tapping into another channel? How are you going to tackle that? Well, the good thing is we're about a four-year-old high-technology firm based out of Seattle. So we've been in the ASP space now for four years with our permission email product. Uh, so we've got a small sales force, and we think uh, just with word of mouth and an aggressive PR campaign, we can uh, grow fairly organically. What OS does it run on? Windows? Uh, the blog unit, the base model of the sub-$10,000 is a Linux-based uh, appliance. We wanted to reduce the cost as much as possible, and that meant going for an open-source OS. So you're not going to be giving Scoble a free copy and asking him to blog about it? Well, we might give him the one based on Windows 2003. All of our technology, and has been for the last four years, is Java-based. So we really are platform agnostic. What we've done is we've certified a particular hardware platform and said, this is perfect. And again, corporations, and this is back to the movable type argument, they want something easy. Our unit doesn't even have a slot for a CD-ROM drive or a floppy. I mean, it's basically put it in, plug it into your network, and go. Hey, you know, $10,000 isn't a lot of money for most companies to spend on a piece of software. So are you envisioning, uh, are you envisioning that a lot of your sales will be purely online? Uh, well, well, we will visit corporations. I think uh, the goal is for them to learn about us and then engage in you know, high-level discussions. Um, we're targeting, obviously, the, uh, not only the central marketing officer type person within a company, but the engineering teams, the, the teams that traditionally have to sign off on new technology. Not concerned by the uh, rumors in the marketplace that Microsoft's coming out with a blogging, a blogging engine? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, in fact, it's great. It, it just further legitimizes the space. I mean, their, their Spaces product, which is a little different, is wildly successful. But again, it doesn't target the corporation. Um, and if, uh, if they go along the same route as some of their other SharePoint services, then we're very excited about our future. Good stuff, David. So uh, what's your favorite thing about being a demo? Why, why come and launch the product at demo? Uh, too much rain in Seattle. <laughs> too fucking cold in Seattle right now, that's right. Is this your first time at demo? It is my first time at demo, yes. Well, what's your position with the company, David? Uh, I'm president and CEO. And you started the company, as you said, four years ago with the direct mail product? Yes. Four years ago, we started What Counts. Uh, my co-founder and I came from the Starwave Disney InfoSeq world. So we have publishing in our blood, and we're excited about all mediums. In, in fact, email and blogging, our blog unit, I failed to mention, actually transitions between email and blogging. So we can take people that view email as a traditional, stable medium and slowly migrate them on their part automatically into blogging. All right, David, well, thank you very much for the chat. Maybe we'll have you come on the show and do a, a full overview of the product for us in the near future. Thanks, Cameron. It's 7.30 a.m. on Monday, the 14th of January, and uh, I'm standing at the front of the hotel in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we're uh, waiting for Scoble to get the hell out of bed. 
and Dandy Ruff and uh, Buzz and I are standing out here having our morning constitutional waiting to go up the road to the event which kicks off today it's a beautiful morning in Arizona uh, as you can probably tell from my voice I don't feel any better than I did yesterday oh, here comes Scoble and Andy all dressed up to meet the venture capitalists and uh, we'll get them to say a live g'day when they come down from the uh, elevators Okay, Buzz, tell the, tell the audience what's going to happen today. This morning we're all in demo, uh, demo at 15. Uh, Andy Ruff, Cameron, Robert Scoble, and myself. Uh, we just got our cab here, so we're headed out, so let's jump in the cab. Our cab driver, by the way, is Shell Israel, uh, Robert Scoble's book-writing partner. Blaine. <coughs> hey, Shell, say good day to my audience. Good day, mates. Oh, there you go, spoken from the man who's... Not on the lounge this morning. <clears throat> now we're going to jump in Shell's very nice car. It's a Crown Victoria LX. It means nothing to me. Here it is. Here are the boys. What's up, man? Oh my God! You should see how bad Scoble looks first thing in the morning. <laughs> say good day to the crew. Hey, what's up, dudes? Andy, say good day. Uh, good morning. No, say good day. Good day. Thank you. Alrighty. <laughs> Moving. You like this little thing? This thing sucks, but this thing makes it livable. All right, this is Joe Krause from Jotspot. Joe, tell us a little bit about Jotspot. Jotspot's a uh, hosted wiki. Wiki's very simply a website where you can read and write, but Jotspot's a wiki focused on more than just shared documents. We try to make it possible to build shared applications. So the kinds of things that you today do in an Excel spreadsheet, like a list of people you want to hire and you email it around, or a list of companies you want to partner with and you email it around, those things should be a web-based application, and we make it easy to, to do that. Now that's not something you normally think of with wikis, right? Wikis is normally just a collaborative environment for people to write and chat and discuss. Yeah, and so what we did is we built a world-class wiki for documents, and then we realized that we loved wikis so much we wanted to take that concept of multiple people being able to edit and the whole thing being able to evolve and bring that same concept to applications because wikis have, for the last 10 years, been all about documents. Nobody's touched the notion of applications, and when we looked around, we saw people trying to build, they don't think of them as applications, but trying to build applications in spreadsheets and emailing them around, primarily things that are lists with multiple columns. And they suffer from problems of versionitis because they get emailed out 10 times, or you don't know when they get updated, or they don't integrate anything that doesn't fit into a spreadsheet cell. And so we thought, why not take the concept of wikis, bring it to applications to allow you to build lightweight collaborative apps that you've been doing in spreadsheets for the last 10 years when spreadsheets really aren't the right fit. So how is this, how is this a better approach for a company than hosting a spreadsheet in some sort of a document collaboration portal on an intranet? So it's primarily better than that for a few reasons. The first is that it integrates not just data that fits in cells. So here's an example. If you have a list of people that you want to hire, uh, and you're tracking that in a shared spreadsheet. Even if you put it on a shared folder, how do you associate the spreadsheet with the resumes of each one of those people? How do you, when there's multiple people working on the spreadsheet and communicating with the recruit, how do you keep track of all of the emails going back, going back and forth? So that you have in one place, not just the spreadsheet, but the emails and the documents. And what JotSpot allows you to do is with a web-based application seeded from that spreadsheet, 
have an ability to integrate not only the data that was in your spreadsheet, the data that is their resume, the documents and the email communication, and as an added bonus, integrate information from the web. So you could integrate very easily Google search results on any of the recruiting candidates that you have. So it essentially gives you all the benefits of a web-based application in terms of integration, live data, and updates and alerts, but it's seeded from the spreadsheet you may have already created. Good stuff, Joe. So people can come up to uh, what URL? Jotspot.com? Jot.com. J-O-T. You got it. Have a look at the product. It's an enterprise product? It's, you know, a product that's probably best suited to small to mid-sized businesses, but it's got consumer pricing. And it's available now? It's in beta right now. GA probably in three months or so. Thank you, mate. Thanks. Enjoy demo. All right, I'm standing here with uh, Mark and Garth from Jigsaw Data Corporation. Garth's going to tell us a little bit about what Jigsaw do. They're in booth seven. <laughs> How you doing? We're, uh, we're actually a business contact exchange where salespeople, recruiters primarily come in and trade contacts they have for contacts they need. Uh, essentially, uh, people are putting in their Rolodex and they're t- trading along a sort of a one-for-two idea. You give us one good contact and we'll give you two in return. The sort of the... the magic of the system is that everybody wins when they're coming in. You can essentially put in uh, your brother-in-law who runs a landscaping business. As long as he uh, has a business uh, email and a phone number, you can put it in and then go and get two purchasing managers from Sun and from Cisco if that's, if that's what you're looking for. Or if you're a recruiter trying to place salespeople, you can get you know two VPs of sales from uh, com- com- competing companies that you're looking for. It's basically like a Hart Hanks or Hoover's except the data uh, goes much, much deeper into the organization, and it's actually up to date. So how do people getting, how do we know that information's up to date? How do you verify and fact check information when people are putting it in? That's a great question. We actually, whenever you put a contact into the database, if you can see over here, uh, once it's in, every, any other member can actually buy that contact. When they buy the contact, if they find that any part of the information, the direct dial, the email, is incorrect, they simply challenge it. You put a contact in, you're on the hook for 30 days to not get challenged. Uh, we essentially, the two-for-one rule works, it works in reverse. If we uh, find out that your contact is incorrect in that 30-day period, we take away enough points for two contacts. You get bitch slapped. That's right. We've got the kiss and the hammer. <laughs> and so is Jigsaw live? Jigsaw is live. We're uh, actually launching uh, something we call RFP Engine, uh, for, which is a service for the actual contacts that are in the system. Uh, one of the unique things about our system is that if you're in, for example, if you're an executive, a buying decision maker that's in Jigsaw, you can come in, see if your information is in there, update the information, set your contact preferences, and you can tell all the salespeople and recruiters to kiss off if you want to. It's, it's a free-form text where you can say, look, only contact me via email, or don't contact me ever, or I hate salespeople, and go away. You can also post an RFP if you'd like. You know, if you'd like to uh, have thousands of Jigsaw members that are, you know, sort of amping for your business, come after it. Excellent. So where do people find it? Go to jigsaw.com? Jigsaw.com. Excellent. Thanks very much. All right. Nice talking. <laughs> All right. I'm standing at uh, Pluck Corporation's booth with Carl and with Heidi. Carl's going to tell me a little bit about Pluck. He doesn't want to. He's trying to palm it off to some other bloke, but I said, no, Carl. Stand up. Be a man, Carl. Pull your pants all the way on. Now, tell us a little bit about Pluck, Carl. Sure. What Pluck does is it takes a whole bunch of applications that you use that are separate today, like your email system, your RSS reader, and your web browser, and combines it all into one. 
so that all the things that you do on the internet every day, whether you search, whether you read news, whether you go to eBay to do shopping, can all be done now through your web browser. And the best part is Pluck is free. Um, is that it? So which web browsers does it support? It support it, um, two, Pluck works two ways. It integra- there's an application that you can download for free that integrates directly with Internet Explorer. And there's also a web-based version that you don't need to use any web browser that will actually allow you to use any web browser to access the features of Pluck. And the other good thing about that is, say you're at home and you have all these bookmarks in your computer, you go to work and you, know, you have to re-import those bookmarks or do something, you can access all your bookmarks, all your RSS feeds, all your different folders that you store information from any computer anywhere in the world, wherever you work. So it doesn't have to synchronize between offline and online. It's all online because you're accessing it through a browser, right? It actually does synchronize. The the web application that integrates with Internet Explorer will synchronize with the server. Carl, nobody uses Internet Explorer anymore. You all know that. (laughs) Certainly nobody who actually reads RSS feeds uses IE. Anyone who reads RSS feeds is using Firefox, right? That's right. Well, I was going to say, Cameron, enough about the Internet. Let's get to shopping, which is another (laughs) great feature that uh, Pluck has. You know, people talk about RSS feeds. But really what some of this information can do is help you find things more effectively. So with Pluck, you can actually use something called a persistent search. I can set it up one time. Let's say I'm looking for that new coach handbag in that new maroon color. I set it up once. It searches multiple websites like Amazon and eBay, and and it'll feed me information on a regular basis of what's new, what the prices are, auctions that are coming to an end, so I can find what I'm looking for, and I don't have to keep searching for it, and it organizes it for me so I can keep it all in a folder with a pane view, and I can even narrow down the search, so if there's 200 items on eBay, I can quickly get down to the ones I want. So. And this is a, a free application, Pluck.com? It's available at Pluck.com or Download.com or uh, other, other sites as well, but it is for free. It's going to help you make uh, managing your information that you use on the web easier. Um, and I use it every day for different things, and I can share information with other friends without having to cut, paste, an email. Well, Heidi, look, you've done such a good job of pitching the product. I am going to give you an Australian chocolate biscuit. Oh, that, oh no, they're sitting on my laptop and melting. That's, That's okay. no good. Well, you know, your news is so hot that it's melting. Well, here, here's a melted Tim Tam for you, Heidi. <laughs> Well, thank you, Karen. Now, you need to take a bite of it and tell the audience what you think of the Australian Tim Tam. Okay. Mmm. Good. What it's do you think, tasty Marty? to me. Tasty. tasty. Do you get anything that good here? We never get something as good as you, you get it. Pretty wicked, volume. is it? That's right. I love it. Okay. I love it. Thank you, Heidi. All right. I'm standing here with Irene at New Tech. They've got a thing called the TriCaster. It's a big bloody box. She doesn't want to talk to me. She wants Philip to talk to me, but I'm going to get Irene to tell me about this because I like to put people on the spot. TriCaster is our portable live production video switcher and webcasting appliance. And it sells for $4,995, and it should be launched at the, or released at the end of March. And you said you weren't in marketing. That sounded straight off of the sheet. What else can you tell us about it, Philip? What, what the hell is it? It's a big black box with lots of plugs. Well, actually, the, the, what makes the TriCaster unique is it takes all the elements from a um, video presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. We actually have new technology that allows you to hook a laptop or any computer source up to the TriCaster through your network, and we can actually suck in all the data off that screen as a video source. We also have built-in video scalers because one of the problems you have in presentations is if you're mixing it with video, many times it'll, uh, equipment will scale down your graphics 
to match the resolution of the video so it makes your PowerPoint and your other presentations look worse. Well, what we do is we actually up-res the video to VGA resolution so that it mixes in the PowerPoint graphics at full resolution, which this, we have a screen showing the full-scale video output. So it's a presentation machine that allows you to integrate the functionality of a live television broadcast into the boardroom. So give me a scenario where somebody might use this. Well, we actually have uh, financial clients that are using this technology already to stream um, analyst meetings. Because in the financial world, if it's 10 minutes old, it's very old. And so they, 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 during their meetings, they have multiple cameras set up. They're live switching the meetings and streaming them to satellite offices all over the world so that everybody's getting the same analyst information in real time. That's one application. Also at trade shows, doing product launches. Um, we, at New Tech, we've streamed our live trade shows from NAB and Seagraph for the past several years. And the neat thing about trade shows, or the, it's, it's a negative of trade shows, but travel costs are getting more expensive, people don't go. So we actually have more people watching our live web stream of the trade show than we actually have in the booth. It's not uncommon to have three or 400 people watching our web stream when you might have 50 to 100 in the booth. So it's a way to take that investment in a trade show and multiply it. And where do people check out the TriCaster? Uh, www.newtech.com slash TriCaster, T-R-I-C-A-S-T-E-R. And where do they buy one? They buy it online? They buy it from, like, Dick Smith? It'll start shipping at the end of March, but it'll be available through all the online catalogs, through local resellers, um, anywhere where you can buy any video equipment or presentation equipment. You going to sell it in Australia? Uh, actually, we do. We have a distributor in Australia called New Magic. Great guys. And uh, one of our key developers on uh, TriCaster is an Aussie. He goes by the name Aussie and uh, makes us celebrate Australia Day at New Tech and you know, spreads the fun and fosters. Is that how you, you say you had, a, you had a fosters on Australia Day? Do what? You had a fosters on Australia Day. That was the celebration. Oh, we had uh, Vegemite and fosters and uh, chocolates. and. You ever, had, you ever had a Tim Tam? No, I haven't. <laughs> what is that? I might have. Is this, it, oh, this is the king of the Australian chocolate biscuit, Philip. Okay. Can I try it? Yeah, it's a little bit melted, this one, because it's been sitting next to my laptop. But, I remember, uh, like half? Break off half. There you go. Try this out. Have a bite. Mmm. What do you think? I love chocolate. I'm in, I'm in heaven, dude. What do you, think? you ever had a chocolate biscuit that good? No, it's great. There you go. Do you so, work with these guys, or do you just love them? No, they're just, you know... I find Americans have never had a chocolate biscuit this good. It's a good way to make friends. It's very good. Thank you. Now, now I don't have to go eat lunch. We're good to go. <laughs> Thank you, Philip. Thanks a lot. Have a good Cameron, one, mate. Nice to meet you, man. All right, I was walking down here, and uh, Scott Char from Live Vault Corporation pulled me up and said, you must be an Aussie. Had something to do with the corks hanging from my hat, I think. I don't know, but he's a fairly bright young lad. He's going to tell us all about Live Vault. Scott, what's Live Vault? Oh, we're a company that has eliminated backup from tapes and done it all entirely by integrating discs and bandwidth to eliminate the process of people manually doing tape backup. Now is this something for enterprises or for people at home? It's small medium business focused as well as to the remote branch office. So a small medium business would buy it as a service, a large corporation would buy it for the remote branch offices as a product and host it back in their data center. Yeah, because backing up is a pain in the ass, right? My uh, PC crashed at Christmas time and it was just a real hard drive burnout and it's just, uh, it's, it's hell. So how do you take care of it? What do you do? Absolutely. Well, it is hell because it's so hard to do. We take the entire process and automate it completely. So you take a small agent, you put it on your server, and from that point on, it backs up automatically either to an appliance or directly off-site. Whole process automated, backup, off-site, and as well as an archival because you get a virus, 
It's different than a crash. You want to be able to go back in history, back prior to when you got that virus at Christmas time. And so how does the small business version work? They pay some sort of a fee for the software and then a fee for the service? It's actually just a monthly service fee based on usage model. So how a much? small server that's, uh, you know, a small server might be $120, $140 a month. That sounds fairly reasonable. Yeah, it's very easy, very simple. It takes that whole process, which is the, the daily maintenance of it, uh, it gets rid of it. Because small, medium businesses, for the most part, don't have somebody there that's trained in the ways of IT to do this. And it's not a simple thing to do. So you schedule it for midnight and it runs in the background when people aren't there to not show up bandwidth? How does it work? Well, actually, it's much better than that. Instead of trying to jam everything through at midnight at one time, we continuously protect the data. So two things out of that. One, you get much more efficient use of bandwidth. It's the old dripping of a bathtub rather than actually trying to cram everything in at once. So we get bandwidth efficiencies out of it. But more importantly, you also get more accurate uh, data protection so that you can go back in greater granularities. So backup fails 50% of the time, they say. So instead of going back last night or the night before to recover, you can go back to 15 minutes before the disaster happened or 20 minutes or 10 minutes before the disaster happened. Much more um, granularity so you don't lose all that work data that you spent your time on. And it doesn't create any unnecessary overhead on the machine? No, no. Very rarely does anybody even know that there's a, an agent running on the machine. And um, for the most part, we've never had uh, customers that have had to upgrade bandwidth. Bandwidth uh, utilization is very small, and it occurs on an outbound direction where most people are actually using inbound bandwidth. And what's with the lab coats that you're wearing? Well, as part of this launch, we uh, had to get people to notice what we were doing. So um, we hired a uh, spokesperson to um, launch this new Institute for Backup Trauma because there are so many victims of this debilitating disease. So um, John Cleese has actually agreed to uh, be the director of the Institute. And he, we have a six-minute video on BackupTrauma.com. There will actually be an entire website there so that the uh, victims, hapless victims of this devastating disease can go and get um, help and treatment and take some surveys. And there's just a tremendous amount of fun stuff out there. So. A bit of a viral video uh, marketing campaign? Absolutely. Absolutely. So send it around, BackupTrauma.com. And uh, there's a, a lot of fun stuff out there. And uh, you'll see some... Uh, past uh, attendees to the Institute up there, uh, including our own Chris Shipley. So a lot of fun stuff up there. Excellent. Thanks very much, Scott. So people go up to livevault.com or yeah, backuptrauma.com. Check it out. Cheers, mate. All right. I'm standing here now with Peter Sisson from Telio. Telio are the guys that, uh, I don't know, look to me like Skype. How's this better than Skype, Peter? Uh, there's three things. One is that it's personal, which means you can, sorry, you can do uh, inbound calling from regular phones, which means that you can basically get a number that finds you anywhere you connect to the internet. You can answer that number on your PC, you can answer it on your cell phone, you can answer it on uh, any regular phone. So that's more flexible in terms of integrating with the phones you're already using today. The second thing is that we integrate with the desktop like Outlook and Internet Explorer so that if you get an email from someone, you just click on it and you're calling the person who sent it to you. Or if you uh, go to a website and you see a number on it, you click on it and you're connected instantly. Um, the third thing is that we're SIP compatible, which is a technical term, but that means that we're compat compatible with standards. And being standards-based means that we can integrate with other VoIP networks, so that if you want to call someone who's using a different VoIP service, you can still do it for free using our service, while you can't do that with some of our competitors because it's a proprietary. 
So those, so really those three things summarize what Telio is about. One is that it's personal. You get a number that can ring on any device that you like, whether it's your PC or regular phones. Two is that it's portable, meaning that it gets through firewalls and, you, and your calls can find you wherever you are over Wi-Fi in a Starbucks or in a hotel room in Paris. And third is that it clicks, meaning that you can click to call on any email that you get or click to call on any number you see on any website. And can you call landlines from your PC? You can also call landlines from your PC, and that's two cents a minute to most phones worldwide. And the service costs $4.95 a month. And for $4.95 a month, you get an inbound number that regular people can call. You get voicemail. You get call forwarding uh, so that you can have your calls that come in on your PC forward to regular phones. And you get two cent a minute worldwide calling. Can you do conferences, multi-party conferences? Uh, that's going to be in our version 1.0. What we've just released today is version 0.9, which is our beta. It's available at www.telio.com. You can download it now, and there's a 30-day free trial. You can hear it, hear it in the, the ringing in the background there. Get the hell out of me. Now, uh, one of the big challenges for podcasters like myself, Peter, is we do a lot of our shows using Skype. We will set up multi-party calls around the world, and we'll record them for the show. We've, we've been actually urging the Skype guys to make it easier for us to record the Skype call on a PC. You guys uh, done any thinking around how you could support the emerging podcasting movement using Telio? I think that's a possibility. We've actually talked about that issue, which is making sure that our software doesn't interact in a bad way with the desktop recording devices. And currently, uh, we actually are working on a solution to that problem, so hopefully it'll be solved by version 1.0. Oh, man, I think it would be really exciting if you guys came up with a solution to that because it's the, uh, the bane of the podcasting world at the moment, trying to record a podcast live on a single PC. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Peter. I'm standing here at the iUpload booth with Robin. Robin is the president, I believe, of the United States. No, of Canada. No, Robin Hopper is the president of iUpload. Now, Robin, uh, another goddamn blogging tool. That's the last thing the world needs. Uh, tell us why they do need iUpload. Well, we're actually launching a way to regardless of your blogging tool, to author and live in your, in your blog, write content once and let it show up in all kinds of diverse communities without having to traipse all over the internet, go to Yahoo Groups to participate there, go to your website to put content up there, your personal blog, your corporate blog, Yahoo Photos. Live in your blog, make this content show up in all these diverse communities. So, uh, let me see if I understand that. If I have several accounts with several different blogging engines, I can write once and publish everywhere? Certainly you could use it to, to publish to multiple blog sites, but even beyond that, you can use it to write to, you know, post content to discussion forums. Maybe you've got something you're writing in your personal blog that, should be, that you want to sell, so why not have that show up on eBay? Maybe you're writing something about a, a book you just read, why not have that show up on Amazon? So what we perspective is a way to actually write once in your blog and then apply a perspective to it. Choose the communities you want that to show up in. So can I publish it to like the New York Times? Um, it's based on who a sponsored perspective is. So once the New York Times is a sponsored perspective, absolutely you can make it show up in the Times. What's their problem? What are they waiting for? <laughs> They're a little slow. Yeah. And okay, so is this uh, live now? Is this available for people to have a play with? Yeah, it launched in beta as of, as of the 13th, as of Sunday. So um, grab a blog and you can uh, start applying perspectives to it. Launched with about a dozen available perspectives that you can, can start out with, ranging from like eBay, uh, Tribe, Social Network of Tribe, 
more authoritative type of perspective. So instead of just pushing this out to different places, we have a Plaxo or a Salesforce perspective where you can use it to you know, write a piece of content that maybe is only appropriate for certain people in your contact list. Write it and apply a Plaxo perspective. You can pick and choose what contact, contacts should be able to see it in Plaxo, and that's it. Now they'll have to log into your blog, and they're only going to see the content that's appropriate to them. And what's your business model? Is it a free application or is there a fee for it? Uh, for individuals' perspectives, it's free. Uh, the, the business model really is around the sponsored perspective. So, you know, our roots are in content management, corporate blogging, these branded blog communities. So, you know, we deliver uh, branded blogs or, or to prospective owners. They, they sponsor a perspective to get it to show up for individuals. And then they get a bunch of administration tools to, to manage all that content that starts to come in. Oh, we just started a show on the network about business blogging. We should get you guys to come in and do a lengthy interview with us about how you would use something like this for business blogging. Interested? Yeah, very interested. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thank you, Robin. All right, now we're going to talk to Neil Greer from ImpactEngine.com. They, these guys are telling me they got some flash thing that's going to take over the world. Right. Tell us all about it, Neil. They've invited me to some party tomorrow where there's apparently not going to be any strippers. <laughs> no, there won't be any strippers. What there will be is some exciting multimedia playing. Over 512 million people can view multimedia on the Internet. Unfortunately, none of the advertisers can create content that's exciting to them. Our, situ our solution for the hosted platform changes all that. You can go to www.impactengine.com and see how easy it is to create flash multimedia using our service. So even a dumbass like me who's never done any development in his life could build something really impressive? Absolutely. In fact, you can add your own video, your own audio, you can use our stock galleries. You can use our photos. All you have to do is go step one through four, click finish, assign a URL to it, and you have yourself a professional multimedia website. Fantastic. So impactengine.com, go check it out. I'm going to have a look at a demo. All right. Now I'm standing here with David Peckham. Not David Beckham, but David Peckham. Can you hook, can you... Uh Kick the ball in a big circle. I can kick pretty well. My son does a decent job too. He actually looks a bit like David Beckham, so I don't know. I think maybe it's David Beckham here in incognito now. David's with Photo Leap. I heard lots of good things about this last night from his uh, agency guy, Robert Blodgett. Not married to Renee Blodgett apparently, but hey, that's just between him and me. And uh, <laughs> David's going to tell us about Photo Leap, another goddamn photo application, the last thing the world needs. But these guys tell me this is really, really cool. Tell us why, Dave. Well, thank you, Cameron. Uh, PhotoLeap is all about sharing photos easily. So if you've tried thousands of others, stop. Try PhotoLeap. It's much easier. PhotoLeap is all about sending your camera images to friends and family without worrying about whether you have to size them, scale them, none of that. Just take your high-resolution images from your camera, drop them in PhotoLeap, send them, and know that your friends and family are going to see the same quality you're seeing on their PC. They can view, they can print, they can share with the rest of your family. It's that easy. Okay, no, 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 stop the bullshit marketing pitch. Tell me, tell me how it works, Dave. What do we have to do here? How it works. We work on OS X and Windows. And the way we work is, is you, when you drag your photos, we use our own proprietary compression. We shrink them down usually 10 to 15 times over JPEG, but we preserve the visual quality. We send them through our network to your friends and family who pick them up and receive them the next time they're connected. So uh, I and my friends and family need to install something on their PC? Right, we work on OS X and Windows, so when you send a message to a, of someone in your family who is not a member, we'll send them a, an email, a plain email with a link that shows them how to get the software, and within a few seconds, they're actually looking at your images. How, how big is the download? It's about two megabytes, between two and four megabytes, depending on OS X and Windows. And it's free? It's free, it's absolutely free. Robert's saying it's free 15 yeah, times here in the background. Robert, Robert's the sales guy, obviously, you know. 
And that's the key word there. So uh, if it's free, what's your business model? Well, we have a, a paid version as well, a plus version, which allows you to send 8 megapixel images, up to 250 images in one message to 250 people. It's, it's fabulous. And what can you do with the free version? Well, you can send up to 25 2 megapixel images. Or, and, and you can receive images from others at no charge. So receiving is absolutely free. Okay, so two megapixel. So if I have a, a camera with a six megapixel camera and I take a raw photo, and what do I have to do to send that? I have to shrink it a little bit. You don't have to do a thing. You just if it's a raw photo, if it's straight out of your camera as a JPEG format, you can drop it in a photo leap message and hit send. You're done. And you guys will just take care of all of the everything that's happening in the background. That's that's right. And and how fast will it send those photos? Like when I send photos with Outlook now, it takes hours for them to uh, leave my outbox. Because we compress them, it, it takes on the average maybe you know anywhere from 30 seconds to a few minutes, depending on how large the photos are and how many there are. So, so uh, why haven't Microsoft like bought you guys yet? What's going on? Well, we're very new. We're launching today, so check it out. It's photoleap.com. Excellent. Thank you very much. All right, I'm with Richard Bullwinkle uh, at uh, Mediabolic Network Media Play, and these guys have ripped off web, ripped off Web TV, but they're telling me this kicks ass, whereas Web TV just sucked, and Perlman was an idiot. Now, Richard. Uh, yeah, well, Perlman was an idiot. Uh, the, the, the problem with Web TV was it took standard websites, tried to munge it around and make it look good on a TV. What we do very differently is we take tel uh, applications written specifically for the television. This is an open platform. You don't have to have any special software. You don't have to have a media center PC. You don't have to just be limited to what Web TV wants to bring to you. This is any company or any individual can write an application for the TV, and they look good in that 10-foot lean-back experience. And, and it feels like a lean-back experience. It's very entertainment-based, not very information-based. So why would uh, companies write an application to work with MediaBullock? Uh, it's not necessarily writing for MediaBolic. We're creating an open platform. We don't want to sell boxes. We're going to license this technology to lots of people. We have several deals lined up that you'll hear about in the next 90 days. We're creating a technology and an open platform. These people, once there's a ubiquity or at least a prevalence of this platform, people will want to write for it because people like Netflix want their uh, cues to be available from TV where they belong. People like uh, CNN want people to instantly access their news, not wait 20 minutes for it to come around. Uh, people like, you know, the Weather Channel, why not just bring up your weather on the TV and, and, you know, why wait for the news 22 minutes after the news starts? These applications give you sort of instant access to information or entertainment that you need. You can rent movies from Cinema Now, they stream straight to this device. You don't have to have, you know, you're not watching your movie on a PC like Cinema Now typically does. This is a device that, you know, brings it right to the TV. Okay, so... Let me ask you this. So people are going to need a set-top box to run this on? Uh, that's generally correct, although we're also working with some people to build it straight into the TV. So I remember one of the challenges back in the web TV days, I worked a little bit on the web TV thing after Microsoft bought it. I know one of the challenges was the costs around getting a set-top box out into the marketplace, what the price point was for consumers to buy a set-top box, etc. How are you guys going to get around all of those sorts of issues? You know, we're not in the business of marketing directly to customers. There are some people like, you know, let's say Netgear or D-Link or, uh, you know, Linksys. These people know how to get boxes into consumers' hands. These people are also trying to push consumers to bring a, a, a network into their home. Um, this will be one of the components of that network. One of the cool things that you'll be able to do by spending that money on a, a nice router and a DSL connection, now all of a sudden you can use it for something a little more cool. So basically saying, not your problem. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that's what I said, but uh, we build the technology and we let marketing people handle marketing.
Okay, but from a costing perspective, you're not concerned about the, the fact that you'll be able to get the cost of a set-top box down? Well, this box, you know, fully loaded to the consumer will sell for around 149 uh, Higher-end models could be available, you know, with hard drives and things like that. We're not, you know, it depends on what the person want, what the company wants to manufacture. But the device could range from 149 to 249 That would be the max. That's fairly inexpensive. Uh, if you start looking at things like maybe you do a deal with a, a DSL provider or somebody where they put it in your home and you rent it for five bucks a month or something like that. There's all sorts of ways to get them into consumers' homes. Because this encourages people to want broadband, a lot of companies will look at this not just from, uh, you know, what are the consumers willing to pay at the retail store, but what can we put, what can we do to put this in their home so they'll buy more movies or uh, absorb more content using their DSL connection. And what's going to come first? Are the boxes going to get market penetration first or are the applications going to be written first or will they happen concurrently? Uh, we did kind of a smart thing. We incorporated some of the applications that were written already for Microsoft Media Center. Those work fine on this device. We don't require that you have Microsoft Media Center. So all of those people who have Windows XP machines that aren't Media Center or Windows 2000 machines that aren't Media Center, this will work just fine with them. Um, so it incorporates all those applications without requiring you to have Media Center itself. Okay, so you can just stick the set-top box in and away it goes. Yeah, exactly. We, there's probably about uh, 65 applications available today, and there's new ones coming out every day. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you very much, Richard. Great story. All right, now this is starting to get more interesting. I'm here with Chris Matters from Digital Monkey. There. I'm actually from the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra. Chris is from the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra. He's not from Digital Monkey. He's just hanging out at their booth. But Chris is an Aussie. Digital Monkey is an Aussie company. And uh, Chris is going to tell us a little bit about what Digital Monkey is. Digital Monkey is our technology partner, the ASO, and Digital Monkey got together to produce our product, which is in the chair. The Adelaide Symphony Orchestra had this thing going, which we call Big Rehearsal, where we invite people to come and sit in the chair with our players, and together they would play a piece of music and rehearse it, and the players talk to them about what they're doing and mentor them. So what we've done is converted that live experience into a technology experience, and so now people can play in a symphony orchestra in the privacy of their own home or wherever they want to do it. So it's an online product which means that just like a um, media player, you download the media player but this one's a bit more sophisticated and you can choose your content which uh, say the Hebrides Overture or whatever orchestral piece and play along using your own instrument. That's the critical thing. It's not a MIDI thing. If you're a clarinet player, you put the microphone to the clarinet and you turn on the machine, you see the conductor, you see the sheet music, and you play along as if you're in the chair in the orchestra. Now the critical thing is it gives you feedback. It talks to you, it tells you how well you're playing. Just like the players would if you were sitting in our orchestra listening to the performance and playing along as well. So we've achieved all of that together. And we've tested it, it works online in real time so that people can join in playing with the orchestra from another place. We tested it with Penang in real time. So Stephen Kovacevic was conducting the symphony orchestra, the Adelaide Symphony, playing Mozart's Jupiter Symphony, and kids in Penang were playing along way back in July. So we think there's a lot of potential for that. Well, it sounds absolutely amazing. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about uh, what do you see as being the, the, the real utilisation of it? Is this for schools to use? Is it for people to use at home? Who's the end user likely to be? Uh, the end user is interesting. When we launched it, we got a huge number of uh, emails from people. Reuters picked it up and told the world, and uh, it was coming from radio stations. It was coming from people who were just amateurs on their instrument and wanted to join in and things like that. What we think is there's a range of possibilities. First of all, yes, there's the 
hobbyist, the person who just wants to join in and play their instrument with a professional orchestra. But more importantly, within the education domain, there's a lot of music that people have to learn as repertoire training for going on to develop as a musician of any sort. So, for example, if you're playing the clarinet again, you would have to learn all that stuff that you would be expected to play if you were playing in an orchestra. You should have it under your fingers, not sort of wait until they say it's rehearsal time. So instead of sitting in the, um, in the bedroom and then working through the sheet music bit by bit and thinking, oh, I've done a good job, you can do it within the chair. It gives you the sheet music. It gives you a conductor to follow. You can listen to the music and you can get the feedback, which improves your thing. So what we've got is aspiring education inspiring inspiring aspiring instrumentalists we've got publishers who have say band methods here in the united states brass band is huge almost bigger than orchestras and the publishers that kind of explains a lot about the united states really doesn't it yes that loud word anyway <laughs> the publishers are producing piles and piles of books of music if you've got a recording or you can get online recordings of all the music in those band methods and you can pre-rehearse with something that's giving you feedback before you go to band practice with your band when it comes time to actually do a performance your streets ahead and we even see a, a possibility for band competitions there but that's a bit specialized another thing is the recorded music catalogs around the world just imagine deutsche gramophone or sony has got all this music recorded instead of repackaging it and trying to sell it as compilations of various themes or whatever they can say join in an interactive way to listen to your favourite recordings of things. So, for example, uh, Von Karajan's conducted Mozart in some grand performance that's as historically famous, or even people are long dead, longer dead than Karajan. Now they can repackage it and say, within the chair you can join in. And I think you can go even further that. We get really carried away with this sometimes. If you imagine that on the live uh, context you want to play along with the last night of the proms on the BBC. So there you are live so you'd have to be out in the middle of the night but there you are you can join in with whoever's conducting in the land of hope and glory thing and all that stuff you can join in so instead of sitting back and being sort of wow this is great you can get in there so we see the market as being many at the moment our focus is education but we're looking to those people who have piles of content and looking at them as the people to sell it to because they can then on sell their content they're already making sales of their content we can just provide a new way to download. In the same way as iTunes and things like that, you can get your stuff, any content from anywhere. We just make deals with the content owners and then the relationship works from there. So you're going to come out with a rock music version? Can I uh, play along with Van Halen or something? Well, we were thinking of all those guitarists who want to play Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> so the people who want to do Led Zeppelin, yes, you too, you name it. You know, We can do all that stuff. At the moment it's monophonic, so it listens to one note at a time, and we're currently working to develop the polyphonic version, so the piano players, the guitarists, all those people, and we reckon that the best way to market that is to get somebody with a name to launch their latest single within the chair as part of the single, and then away you go. Well, Chris from the Adelaide Symphony Orchestra, thank you very much, it's been a great chat. All right, now I'm standing here with another Aussie. This is Philip Williamson from DPN. Phil and I had a few drinks last night. Uh, he's going to tell us about... IntelliDocs with an X. What's IntelliDocs, Phil? IntelliDocs is basically an enterprise Microsoft Word application. So we, we make Microsoft Word an enterprise scalable application. So if we look at um, something like uh, a large corporate, a government client, 
what they tend to do is they have templates that stand behind standard documents and they have real problems managing templates. So if they move from one version of Word to the next, their templates may not necessarily work. They may have embedded macros, they may have sophisticated structures built into their templates. What we've done is we've gone and grabbed Microsoft Word documents and grabbed the template and stuck it on a single central server. What we do is we separate a document into two parts, what we call the content, which is the text that makes up a document, and the layout, which is the structure of a document. The layout's only ever stored once, so things like logos, formatting, paragraphs, that kind of stuff, is only ever stored once and it can be applied across many, many documents. So when you want to build a document, you can apply the structure to a document and apply the text and build the document dynamically. So we've got an application that's, a, that's an adding into Word, so you can go online and using things like Active Directory, it'll, it'll authenticate who you are. You can log on, you can see what standard documents you have available. You can then build a document using an intelligent workflow to build a document. We also have a web portal plugin, so someone can go on to the web, once again search for your standard documents, find a document, the system will lead you through the construction, it'll then build a document off the web. The really cool thing about it is it will build a document without using Word, so it'll build the Word XML. You can then do what you like with that document, so you can email it out or you can uh, you can drop it onto, a uh, onto a, uh, another machine and you can read it and, and manipulate it. Can you open it in Star Office? Could you open it in Star Office? No, basically it generates Word, a Word document, so Word XML. No, no one uses Word anymore, mate. <laughs> you missed a chance. <laughs> That's right, maybe. No, we've, well, we've certainly thought about um, having filters that can drop it into other applications, so like uh, Word on a Mac, uh, PDFs, really whatever we want. So really, Microsoft should kind of buy you out right now before you start porting it to other applications, is that what you're saying? They've got a small window of opportunity? Yeah, well, I suppose we've taken a slightly different angle with Microsoft. They still think of Word as a desktop application. We think of Word as an enterprise application, so we think we've addressed a nice you know, a problem that everyone has with Microsoft Word. So um, moving from one version of Word to the next, people struggle with templates. Uh, formatting, when, when you pass a document around from person to person, managing formatting. So they're the kinds of issues that we try and deal with. So this sounds like a great product. Where do people find out more about it? Okay, you can find us on the web at IntelliDocs, I-N-T-E-L-L-E-D-O-X, IntelliDocs.com, uh, or DPM is my company, which is an Australian company, www.dpm.com.au. And uh, how are you finding being surrounded by all these crazy yanks? Uh, our demo is certainly an interesting experience and uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it, uh, but uh, I, I find it challenging. Uh, the, the whole attitude of get in, make the pitch, get out, you know, and move on to the next person. It's, it's just it's a weird place. You are looking forward to getting home and having a beer? Uh, absolutely. Missing my family, looking forward to getting home, but looking forward to the warm weather. Who do you follow in the footy? Uh, well, I come from Canberra, so I tend to follow r rugby, so the Brumbies is really the, the team I play. I don't tend to watch uh, AFL that much, but uh, I like the, the, the Brumbies are my team. Good on you, mate. Well, good luck. Docs, you heard it. Check it out. Good stuff. And I think there's one more Aussie here I've got to go find. Good on you, mate. Okay, now I'm standing here with David Monteith from Synaptic. And these guys have got some 3D audio software, which looks pretty kick-ass. I just had a demo. David, tell us why this is the coolest thing on the planet. This is cool because what you want to do is play games and watch movies on your phone. You're a Scotsman. I am indeed. Where are you from? From Glasgow originally. Uh, my dad was from Chapel Hall. You know Chapel Hall? Yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. Yeah. Can you say it's a Brobrick Moonlight next to next? <laughs> <laughs> okay, the new. <laughs> and there's a moose loose about the hoose, nanny. 
Yes, you take the high road, I'll take the road. <laughs> All right, now we've stopped that. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I grew up listening to Billy Connolly. Um, You're a big banana feet. Ah, that's right. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for your wellies, where, where would, would you be? be? You'd be in the hospital or infirmary. <laughs> Come on, guys, get back on message. <laughs> We're entertaining the audience. So, okay, sorry, back to, back to Synaptic. Tell us all about it. We do 3D sound. It's on phones in Japan just now. It'll be on phones in the rest of the world later this year, hopefully. So you're actually doing deals with the manufacturers to put the software on the handset? Yeah, we, we license stuff to the handset vendors, and we've licensed to NEC, Mitsubishi, and Fujitsu in Japan so far. Oh, kick ass. So uh, the, the phone you really see as being a portable entertainment device. People are going to do watch movies. What else are they going to do on a phone? Yeah, uh, exactly. It, it's something you hold in your hand. You have with you all your time. You want to be able to play games on it and watch movies. But if it's something you hold in your hand, it's got a very small screen. So audio's got to be really important to make the media immersive, to make it have impact. So that's really what we're doing. We're providing better audio for handheld portable devices. And you guys uh, developed this. This is a new technology you've developed out of Scotland. You based there? Are you based here? Where are you based? We, 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 I, I've, I've gone to the deep south from near, near London. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're a startup based in the UK. We've got an office in Japan and in the States, and uh, we're rolling this out just now. Oh, fantastic. I just had a demo on a little phone here that Sandy had. We were watching a little bit of Batman and Mr. Freeze, and that was fantastic. A real... The governator. The governator, that's right. We had a full sort of 3D surround sound experience coming out of a little phone handset with the headphones on, obviously. Fantastic. So thanks very much, David. Congratulations. Thank you. Can you say g'day? G'day. There you go. That's it. You're just going to talk, Joe. Joe Harris, Orb Networks. Now, this is uh, one of the sexiest things that I've heard about or seen for a long time. Uh, first heard Phil Tyrone talking about it a couple of months ago on the Engadget podcast. Joe, tell us what Orb Networks is all about. Great. Orb Networks uh, delivers streaming media from your home to any web-connected device, any handheld device. Like, uh, I could put live TV on your cell phone or on your PDA. We could bring music out to your notebook. If you want to go to Starbucks and catch the video you recorded on your on your Media Center PC, just grab a cup of coffee, get on the web, and start watching uh, you know watching Friends. And so it's uh, some software that runs on your Media Center at home, and basically will just stream it some sort of magic source over the web to any other PC computing device, right? Right. Yeah. The way it works is we have our, our software sits on the on the on the PC at home. And we current, our, our first release was under Media Center, but we just announced today that it's going to be on XP as well. We have a beta, public beta going for a few more weeks. But it runs on the Media Center at home, and it takes any of the media that's on there and streams it out over the web to the, the target device. You put in a password and ID in order to kind of uh, authenticate yourself, and then we stream it to you. And we take care of all the details. So if you've got Lord of the Rings recorded at home and you want to see it on your cell phone, We'll adjust the video such that it's an optimal display and sound quality so that it plays the best it could on the cell phone or PDA or tablet or any handheld device. Uh, I saw a demo of this before. I think Jeff was showing me of your TV running from Oregon, was it? And it was just like there was 10 seconds of buffering and then we had your cable TV running. That's absolutely amazing. So what do you see as being the the business model around this? You're going to sell the software? Is that how it works? Yeah, we have a we have a subscription model where it, we charge simply ten bucks a month for the for the service, 
so that you know it's a secured service. We, we we make sure we can authenticate you through our servers and that, and we also manage uh, listings information for all TV programming. So we have that uh, a nice relationship set up with the uh, with uh, Tribune Media, so that you have all the most current data for that. Uh, so we drive it through subscriptions, and what we're doing as well though is we're we're going to be pushing all of our our service through partners. So we've announced a few so far where we're going to be shipping our software with them, but there'll be more to follow. People who are in the broadband uh, space, whether they're wireless or wired carriers, MSOs, things like that. And where it eventually leads to is being able to do things like ordering media through them and transactions and promotions as well. So there's a lot of things that we're, we're kind of heading to. Um, we're not there yet. What we're just doing now is simply introducing it and bringing the, uh, the media from your home to wherever you are. And so this means that I can keep one copy of all of my media. I don't have to synchronize between devices. It'll just stream from the, the home PC, right? Yep, exactly, exactly right. Um, Photos, yeah, video, you, music. You've already acquired it, accumulated it, paid for it. Uh, no need to pay for it twice. You just take what you've got in your home and bring it out, and it's point to point. So it's very secured. If you if you want to watch TV, you get what you, that's that channel right to your device. And if others want to get it. Uh, get that channel, they'll have to wait till you're kind of off it because it's a single tuner, first of all. Or if it's if it's a, 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 some content from a, a, a another another source, we don't do the broadcast or multicast of it. You'd have to wait till that, that they're done using it in order to get it. So that that that's uh, part of our our DRM strategy, which is fully implemented on the uh, on the PC at home. And uh, apparently, you used to be Scoble's boss at NEC. Is that right? Yeah. We work together at the, in the mobile solutions group, uh, among other things. So yeah, Robert, Robert and I have a, a bit of a history together. Did you know then that he was going to be the third most famous man at Microsoft one day? Well, uh, you know, Robert was always a legend in his own mind. So yeah, I, I knew he'd be famous somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe. Thanks very much. Good luck. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, now I'm here with another Aussie. I think the final Aussie I have to catch up with. Now the company's called Signav Proprietary Limited. I'm speaking to John Rydell. Did I pronounce that right, John? Riedel. Riedel. John Riedel, my apologies. Now, John was just telling me a little bit about Signav, and uh, I'll ask him to repeat that. It's about putting GPS in the mobile phone chipsets. Go, John. Okay, we develop software that goes into uh, chipsets. Our customers are the chipset manufacturers who are typically selling to the manufacturers of cell phones. And in the U.S., uh, the low-end cell phones, in fact, all cell phones, have to be fitted with what's called the 911 capability. So if you call emergency number 911, you are obliged by law to transmit your position so the emergency services can respond. This is uh, quite a difficult thing to do because it has to work indoors, it has to work in a cold start situation and so on. In Europe, the GPS capability is built into cell phones for a different reason. It's more for recreational reasons. So if you want to find your way around, if you um, want to do general navigation, want to find your car in the car park or in fact even a girl in a bar, you can get situations like you have a network server that will say, we've detected the girl of your dreams has shown up in a bar 300 metres away, would you like to be navigated to meet her? And your cell phone will then take you there. Now, I'm, I'm very excited about that. I think that's a great technology. You are, who are the guys here that have the uh, uh, other software for tracking people? Uh, what are they called? Um, uh, 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 oh, I can't remember now. I met some other guys. Anyway. Thing is, you combine the two. They do profiling. Here, here's a list of people with the same interests that you have. If you combine that with GPS in phones, 
Very good. So this is uh, out in production at the moment with phones, or are you still working on getting it into production? We're just rolling out the first of the new generation of chipsets at the moment, and you'll see it going into phones probably third quarter, maybe second quarter this year, okay. calendar. Australian phone operators jumping on board? Are they going to be Not yet. It? I think they'll be a little bit further down the line. But it's going to go everywhere. There's potentially every car, dog, cat, child, parcel, container in the world is going to be tracked someday, somewhere. Yeah. You may not always like having that happen to you, but for safety, for security, just for finding things, it's going to happen. And this technology is moving down in power and up in sensitivity. We do have an application that also works on vehicles for um, a vehicle telematics, so you've got a combination there of a cell phone and a vehicle tracker. You can also immobilise the vehicle at a distance. If it's stolen, you can track it and you can find it. You can also find where your drivers are taking the vehicle during the day. So if they're having long lunch hours in odd locations, you can tell. Or if you've got inefficient uh, travel distances, you can work that out as well. And so this is all Australian developed technology, John, developed out of Canberra? All of the software is Australian developed, although for the car telematics we do have a partner in Europe. And we have cell phone partners around the world. So how did you find commercialising this as an Australian company? Did you find there was a lot of interest in getting VC out of Australia or did you have to go offshore? Um, we got VC in Australia, but SIGNAV uh, had a very high profile because it was the first to achieve this level of sensitivity. So we were well published around the world in magazines and the customers came to us rather than us finding them. So that is an unusual situation for an Australian company. We're quite proud of the achievement that went with that. That's great. Jambo Networks is the company I was thinking about before. The Jambo guys are here somewhere. All right. I'll look for them. Yeah, thank you, John. Nice to, nice to meet an Aussie thank over you. here. All right. I think this is my final show for lunchtime. Then I'm going to have something to eat and rest my back. I've got Jim from Jambo. Hello. How you doing? I'm good, Jim. Now, Jambo, uh, easy to say, hard to remember. I was just trying to remember it in my last conversation. I thought it's Gumbo something. No, but it was Jambo. Now, uh, I've installed Jambo. Yep. I think Charles sent me uh, some Jambo stuff, and okay. it, it crashed my Wi-Fi connection. I pressed the wrong button. The next thing I know, my Wi-Fi is gone. It's all shut down. I'm offline, but uh, <laughs> I just user error, I'm sure. Now, tell everybody what Jambo Networks is about, Jim. So, Jambo Networks is a, is a lightweight Wi-Fi-based application that notifies you when people around you share something in common with you, whether that's a common friend, a common affiliation, like a university, or even you attended the same conference. So what it's designed to do is enable face-to-face connections. So we're, we're intentionally limiting the people you can see to those that are immediately around you within walking distance. And we work both in Wi-Fi hotspots as well as spaces where there is no network. So we can actually work on an airplane at 30,000 feet. You might be sitting on the plane and there's somebody else that you went to school with, you get a little pop-up that says, you know, John, you know, so-and-so is, is went to Cornell with you, for example, and you can then send them a, a private message directly. So it's, it's, it feels like an IM, but it's actually a direct messenger, peer-to-peer, and send them your photo if you want to meet face-to-face, and then you can go share a cab at the end of the flight, for example. I think that's what I did. I think I connected to the... Uh the uh, Jambo, yeah, that was it. And it shut them now, how does the proximity mode work? It works over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or what? It works over Wi-Fi. So our initial launch here, and again, if it crashed, we're, we're in beta, and, and we're actually in alpha right now on OS X. So we have, 
We have a beta release of Windows 2000 and XP that, that's working pretty reliably. We're, we're still testing and knocking out the defects on it. We have a OS X client that's slightly less reliable right now. It's a little fresher off the press. And we also are running on this type device, a pocket PC, smartphone type device. So this is where we want to end up, kind of the in-your-pocket, always-on. But the market right now for us is basically laptop-based. And proximity mode, uh, t basically what it does is create a hotspot. Every single Wi-Fi device that's ever shipped has this mode called ad hoc mode. And most people think of using Wi-Fi to join a base station to connect the Internet. But, but Wi-Fi has this other mode called ad hoc mode that lets you connect directly to other devices, more like a walkie-talkie. And so you're able to actually connect and, and use this without being on the Internet. Okay, so the idea, I think, as we were talking last night, is uh, I can leave demo, and if uh, I'm sitting in the airport and there are other people who were at demo and have installed the software, I can find them and we can say, oh, and go and have a chat to each other. That's right, that's right. So what we want to do is actually... Most of what of the value we want to provide is at the event, so where you're you're literally around a whole lot of other Wi-Fi users, and we're making a lot of introductions there. And then after the event, you can continue to it stays installed on your system if you want it to, and you, we want to create some surprise moments after that. So we don't want you to necessarily initially be expecting to make a lot of connections after the event, but more the ahas. And so. We want you to kind of, if you're on a university campus or you're at a conference where there's Wi-Fi deployed or if you're sitting in a hotspot, those are the spaces where we want to you know, have you expect to make connections but then create some surprise moments later. And as our network kind of grows, then hopefully more and more surprise moments. But, but we're really focusing on those spaces where Wi-Fi is, in fact, deployed and a lot of people are using them. So you envision this becoming a Starbucks dating tool, people sitting in Starbucks and they're looking for people who are uh, hot to go? So what we want to build is a platform. We don't want to tell people how to use it. We want to basically, if people want to connect for any reason, we want to enable that. We initially were targeting, again, conferences, and conferences would probably be more of a business-type tool, and we're also targeting universities. And that would be potentially more of a dating tool or an academic tool, help form study groups, uh, and that kind of thing. It's basically a piece of social software that we want to enable people to connect for any reason, whether they want to buy and sell something, whether they want to meet for dating, or whether they want to use it for some kind of business networking, or even just to find the people they already know. Charles and I walked into the conference today at different times and sat at different points, and I just popped open my laptop and I sent him a message and I said, you know, where are you sitting? And so he could, he could basically raise his hand and I could see him in a room of 600 people, that, that alone was, was pretty interesting, even though I already knew Charles. And, oh, look at that. And, and, and their photo is up on the front page of Forbes.com. That's pretty sexy. Well done, guys. Rock and roll. And uh, may I say, you're very attractive men. <laughs> and uh, should we expect to see this integrated into SM, MSN Messenger or Yahoo Messenger one day? Is that part of the plan? Well, what we're doing is we don't want to necessarily grow our own network. We want to go and partner with existing networks or existing affinities. And I would look at an IM group of users as a potential affinity. So if, if we went and partnered with all of the AIM user base or all of the ICQ user base or MSN user base, that would be fantastic. Um, you know, the same thing could be said of partnering with, you know, we look at networks or groups of people whether they're online or offline, you know, a university or even an online network, even like a Match.com, you just described a dating service. That 
that would be a very interesting relationship for us. All right, good stuff, and it goes live uh, when? We're launching here tomorrow morning, and uh, we are, again, one more thing, we are, we are making it available initially through channels, and so we, you would receive this through a university or through a conference or through a hotspot. We're not initially going to have it publicly available, and that's because we want to create a nice experience for people. And so if we just had it available for download off the website, my our concern would be that the expectation would be to make a lot of connections just out there randomly, and 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 we think that that might not be the best experience. And so we want to we want to funnel it through these spaces where we can deliver on a very positive experience. Okay, so you, people can't download it, but if they want to check out uh, what you're doing, they, they go to they can come on to Jambo.net and they can actually type in off of the registration page. They can type in what affinities they would like to enable. So they can type in. I go to Cornell, you know, or I go to whatever university, or I'm attending this conference, I would like to Jambo enable it, and we will then work with them to help Jambo enable that event. All right, thanks very much. Hello, oh, ladies. Yeah. Are you looking for something different? Are you looking for that special kind of love that your man just don't give you no more? Come to Frank Arrigo's blog blogs.msdn.com slash frank a-r-r we've got what you need oh yeah baby you know what i'm talking about Thanks for listening to the show. If you'd like to find more great podcasts, then head over to the Podcast Network. You can find us at www.thepodcastnetwork.com. We've got tech shows, we've got business shows, we've got lifestyle shows, and hey, we've even got G'day World. So head on over to thepodcastnetwork.com for all your podcast listening needs.